Thanks for listening. This is Heartstock Radio, and I'm your host, Carol Murphy. Today, our guest is Dinesh Tadapali, and he is the founder of Incredible Eats. In just a moment, he is going to tell us all about what the heck is going on over there at Incredible Eats. Um, also, I'd like to remind you that we're on Facebook. You can also email us at heartstockradio at gmail.com. And also, drumroll, very exciting. We have a new intern, and Jillian, Jillian, help me with your last name. Lewandusky. Jillian Lewandusky. She's been an incredible asset, and uh, she's actually the person who's responsible for finding our guest today. Jillian, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, everyone. I'm Jillian. I am Heartstock's current broadcast production intern. Um, a little about me, I was born and raised in Wayne, New Jersey, and am currently a senior at Pace University in New York City, studying sports marketing along with arts and entertainment management. And my hope is to translate my love and passion for all things production, TV, radio, and social media into my future career. And Jillian, she's actually going to be doing a program here coming up. So you'll be hearing much more from Jillian. And a big thumbs up. And thank you so much, Jillian, for all your hard work. But we shall be right back. We're going to take a little music ba- break. And we shall be right back with Dinesh. This is Heartstock. Thanks for listening. This land was made for you and As I went walking that ribbon of highway, I saw the You're listening to Heartstock Radio. I'm your host, Carol Murphy, and Clark Grant is in the studio. Our guest today is Dinesh Tadapali, and he is the founder of Incredible Eats. Sounds, well, I, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten dinner yet, but help us out, Dinesh. What the heck are you doing over there at Incredible Eats? Yeah, thanks, Carol. Um, um, hello, everyone. This is Dinesh Tadepali, and I'm the founder of Incredible Eats. So we invented edible cutlery to help people reduce single-use plastic and reinvent the way we eat our food in a more guilt-free and fun way. So the guilt-free part, um, you know, we're, we've had several guests already on the show that have really talked a lot about plastics. And mm-hmm. <laughs> what what the heck is the guilt-free part of your company? Um, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let, let's talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. So uh, as, as some of you may know that uh, by 2050, there would be more plastic than fish in the ocean. Since 1907, we have been dumping plastic into the oceans and into the landfills at an unprecedented rate. And it's actually exponentially increasing going forward. And it's so common now that when we go get an ice cream or a takeout, we don't even think twice, why are we using a plastic spoon and where it's going to lead up to? Like, for example, the whole idea of our company started when I went to an ice cream shop and when I was throwing my plastic spoon in into a bin and the bin was full, completely full with cups and spoons. And that's when it clicked. Where are these going and how long are these going to last? Why would 10 minutes of my ice cream need to leave out a thousand years of footprint in the planet? And that actually kickstarted my my dream of making something which can help people to re- remove or reduce single-use plastic usage. And the second reason is I want to preserve the planet for the future generations. 
nature has a very nice way of giving us back if you give good it gives us back good if you give something bad it gives us back something bad so the all the plastics that we dumped it's breaking down into microplastics and we are right now microplastics are seen in the oceans rivers a rainfall sea breeze it's there everywhere right right now and on average a human consumes about a credit card sized of plastic through microplastics in the food chain already so i wanted to preserve some uh, the planet to the to my children and the future so that they will not be able to consume a lot of plastics going ahead oh boy i really want to talk about this credit size credit card size dose of plastics here in just a moment but first yeah i mm-hmm. really want to talk about you and all the things that you've been doing prior to founding incredible eats yeah sure um so i was born and brought up in india uh in a very 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 religious background to be frank uh and uh, i was taught a lot of discipline and values like for example my dad uh used to have such a strict financial discipline and he used to impart uh the meaning of content and happiness into me like an example right he used to make me sleep in a like or have a dinner at a like a very expensive restaurant in a super five star hotel and the next day we, he used to ask me to sleep on a platform on the train station even though we had some money the reason is he used to train me since this childhood saying that you have to be happy irrespective of how what life gives you so and and on my mother's side my mother is like a huge fan of donations and um giving and she taught me the value of giving and after my undergraduate undergraduate education in india i came to the us for masters i did my masters in electrical engineering at usc and i graduated in 2008 and since then for about 10 years i've been working as a as an engineer in the semiconductor industry in the bay area and uh, as as i mentioned the values the giving part of it was like very uh, since childhood it was so stuck to me that i have decided to donate one fifth of my salary and by 2020 i was able to touch 10000 people lives by my donations every month and that's my first life goal that i had long back and i was very happy to fulfill that so my i mean this is all before incredible eats and incredible eats started about 2 years ago uh again at the same time when i realized the misuse of plastic and and once we started that then it's it's going pretty good I mean, before covid and after covid also it's kind of pivoted towards another b2c segment but yeah that's my short background mhm i i have to ask about mm-hmm. your upbringing in india i just mm-hmm. finished a book called cast and mm-hmm. i don't know if if you've heard of it or you've read it but it it does compare a lot of uh the caste system here in the united states to uh-huh. those in india can you mm-hmm. help us understand how how that affected you i mean it, it really sounds like you had some very enlightened parents um mm-hmm. but what caste were you and did it impact your upbringing and who you are today uh yeah that's a very good question uh so a lot of people uh, assume the caste system in india is kind of in the, in the in the negative side it it is still existing in the negative side in the in the lower villages and the smaller places so basically the whole point of this caste system originated a long long time ago and it originated based on the work that you do it's like it it started in a place that okay educational I mean, the scientists workers business people workers and it it is no like a what differentiation between what work you do but unfortunately um during the british time it got divided so badly that 
people have started fighting with each other with respect to the caste systems. Thankfully, because of the globalization and again, once we got the independence, it, it it's kind of getting back to normal in a very, very slow pace. But personally, I was not very affected with it because my parents, they did teach me to respect everything and every every profession and also everyone. So they have they've already, I mean, thank, I mean, I did not have those challenges of, you know, uh, any that came up with the caste system in India. So coming to the United States, um, mm-hmm. did you see any existing caste systems? I mean, we don't really refer to it as a caste system, but this kind yeah, of yeah. hierarchical well, I, approach to people and the way people yeah. are treated. Did you see any parallels though, there? Uh, to, to be frank, yes and no. <laughs> so in, it depends on this place where I was at. For example, for my, for my business, I traveled a lot. I attended a lot of trade shows across the US. I think I visited about 10 to 15 states in the US and all these states. Yeah, there are small trade shows, big trade shows and all that. So uh, on the California, Oregon and Seattle on the West Coast, I've hardly faced any. It was all okay. But on the East Coast and few, a couple of the states when I went to a trade show, uh, I was actually not in, not very well invited. But that's okay. I mean, I understood it in a positive way. I didn't expect it to be in a negative way. So to be frank, right, that show had like 500 people who attended and I was the only person of color. So that was like a very interesting thing because I was like, okay, I, I never faced that, but it was not bad. I mean, it's just that they, it, it, I couldn't get good, good enough of sales, even though I had an amazing product, but that was okay. It made me understand that uh, it's, it's people have been brought up in a different way. Every, I mean, it depends on how they've been, uh, how they had their childhood and all that stuff. So, yeah. And it, <laughs> I mean, my experience is, is it definitely, you can notice a difference depending on what mm-hmm. region you are in, in yes. the United States. There yes. is a, a more profound impact and recognition that, you know, there are uh, unwritten mm-hmm. and sometimes written rules for people. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So, uh, Carol, to add, to add on to yes. that, right, this, this was taught by my parents, right? Like, any, I mean, there's no good person or bad person. It's just a person that who has been going through some circumstances since his childhood, right? That what That's what shapes him. So, you can't really go tell one person as, hey, he is so-and-so or he is not so-and-so. It's more like, okay, what was the circumstance? circumstance, what was the neighborhood, what was the upbringing that he had throughout his childhood is what makes him up. So you can't really blame a person for that. It's generally the circumstances that melts into a uh, in the right way or the wrong way. And I understand that. So the, I never get offended if someone tells anything to me because I, I feel that they're ignorant. That's it. Not, 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 nothing more. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. let's talk about the history of Incredible mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. We touched on mm-hmm. that already some, but um, can you kind of give us a a more in-depth idea of, you know, what was your process and the steps that it took for you to get to where you are today? Yeah, sure. Uh, so as I mentioned in 2017, once my daughter was born, my second kid, my, my I, I thought I had two kids and my second kid was a daughter, I had a son. And I was like having an ice cream after she was born. And then I, it kicked me, the realization came into the place. Actually, prior to that, I, I used to read a lot of books on environment, climate change, plastic pollution, and I used to be an avid hiker. I hike like Mount Mount Whitney, Mount Shasta, and I used to hike a lot. So I'm always close to nature. I used to hate cities. I Whenever I go outside for a trip, I generally go to national parks. I don't like to go to cities. So I'm very, very cities? kind of like... Uh, cities, cities, like like oh, going cities. to New York City. Right. Or, okay, yeah, cities. got it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah sorry. Yeah, so... 
Yeah, so uh, it's it's basically I prefer nature over the links to be like to be direct, and and that's that's that kind of hurted me when I saw that uh, I've not been thinking a lot about what I'm doing when I'm when I went go when I go for a restaurant or a takeout or an ice cream or anywhere, right? So I really didn't think about it. But we have been brought up with thinking that plastic is okay to use. We don't have the data yeah. that we don't pause for a moment and think. And then I realized, I mean, I'm a, as I mentioned, the financial discipline taught me to actually take care of finances of my children. So I was planning for their finances. How do I invest and how do I, you know, spread my, make my money work and make more money. And when I was doing that, it the realization kicked in and said, hey, what's the point of saving a lot of money to your children if they can't breathe or drink um, and the water or any other food, eat or drink any food in the future, like how we do. So what's the point of me leaving them like say a million dollars if they can't live in the planet? So that, that, that hit me really hard. I was like, okay, I need to do something about this. And I used my paternity leave for eight weeks. I went on a, on a trip to find the manufacturer to find the best alternative to plastic. Um, and I, I visited about uh, eight different countries across Asia. And I met a lot of people and understood, understood what they were doing against like to find a best alternate with plastic. And that's when I met my partner, Krubal, in India. And he was also an engineer, just graduated from school. And he was trying to make a machine that can actually automate the manufacturing of edible cutlery. So before going in, going to India, right, I actually did a research in the U.S. itself. How much plastic has been used every day and how much of that has been going to the recycling and how much it's going to the uh, landfills or oceans and all that. And I came across this compostable biodegradable ware, like which is made out of PLA-based corn or sugarcane, uh, which, which, I mean, which a lot of people use it instead of plastic, thinking that it's good for the environment. But when I went and researched, the, I, I noticed that it's actually not doing good because there's no sorting facilities. There's no industrial composting facilities. You can't throw it away and expect it will degrade in landfills. It will only compost in composting facilities and not all cities have composting facilities. I went a step further. I went to the composting facilities and asked them, hey, how, how, how are you liking these uh, I mean, PLA-based cutlery? They're like, we don't accept most of the time. I asked why. Because they're like, oh, I don't have the machinery or the equipment to separate a compostable spoon versus a plastic spoon and i don't want any plastic to come into my compost pile that's why we don't accept any compostable cutlery even if they do accept i went a step further the compost piles which have the pla compounds farmers do not take them because they can't be organic certified so there are a lot of these challenges across the chain because we never think about what happens after we throw it away so i went i literally traveled with a with a dustbin and see where all it goes and how it ends and how I mean, how it ends up into the environment and all this made me realize that edible is the only way and the reason why edible is better is uh, it's it actually has a fun question to it like for example not everyone believes in plastic pollution is going to hurt the environment and all that. But they would still end up trying and eat, eating an edible spoon because it's a fun aspect to it. It's like, okay, surprise my friends, surprise my other kids. So that fun quotient will actually make people who don't believe in plastic pollution also use that and act indirectly. And that's why I went to India. I found my partner and I came back to the US. I sold my home in the California. I used all my home sale proceeds to build a facility in India. And uh, that's how it started. This is my history before I introduced the product into the US. It took me two years to build the facility. I, I put all my five years of savings. I went all in. I was like, okay, I, I need to make a big change. And that's, I just went all in. And, uh, uh, and I introduced the product in early 2019. Hmm. We're at that midway point, and I have so many mm -hmm. questions to ask you. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> Very excited. <laughs> all right. So 
Mm-hmm. We're going to take our little music break here. We'll be right back with Dinesh. This is Heartstock. I'm Carol Murphy, your host, and thanks for listening. Hardstock Radio. I'm Carol Murphy, your host. And today we have Dinesh. <laughs> this is, Tari Pali. Yes, Let me help I've, you. I've said, it, I've said it right like twice, <laughs> yeah. but I have to pause. Dinesh Tadapali, thank you so much for being with us and being our guest on Hardstock. So you mentioned PTL or some uh, uh, compostable. P- PLA. 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 PLA based compostable. What is PLA? Yeah. Oh, it's a polyactic acid. Okay. It's basically a compound that it's a polymer chain, similar to what plastic is, but it's made from uh, from from corn or sugarcane. It's it's a byproduct of that. So the the concept is if if we get the polymer chain from a plant based material instead of petroleum based material, which plastic comes in, it degrades better. But unfortunately, there is a chemical process involved, and because of that chemical process, the polyactic acid based biodegradable cutlery needs an industrial setting where the where there should have good enough amount of heat and moisture for it to degrade. Otherwise, it won't decompose. And why were why will farmers not take even composted PLA? Oh yeah, the, the reason is uh, the this is as I mentioned right the chemical process that gets involved to extract the polyactic acid from corn or sugarcane to make into that cutlery, that is uh, that is not organic. It has oh. some inorganic steps involved, and because mm. of that, all the organic and non-GM farmers cannot use that. And corn mostly is a GM product. Yeah. So. And you also mentioned this credit card size amount Mm -hmm. of microplastics that we're consuming. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is that we are physically eating this. Is this within our lifetime, within a year? Yes. No, no. It's we're eating it right now. So according to the studies, right, they found microplastics in almost everything. It's there in our urine. It's there everywhere. So the the water we drink, the air we breathe, the food we eat already has some small amount of microplastics in it. So basically what happened was all the plastics that got dumped into the ocean, the ocean made it into smaller and smaller and smaller particles. So these particles go back through the rain and comes into like literally about six months ago, there was a survey done at the heart of Yellowstone. Yellowstone doesn't have any ocean or anything, any seashore nearby. And the heart of Yellowstone, where there's no people or there's nothing involved, they went and measured the microplastics in the rainfall. And they found an amazing amount of microplastics in there. Because basically the sea is, the oceans are giving it back to us through the through microplastics. And microplastic is basically a very broken down plastic piece, which is less than like, I think, uh, about two millimeter or one millimeter. It's a very, very tiny piece of particle. And, uh, and by the way, there are multiple studies that came out recently for example, they found microplastics in the placenta of an unborn baby. So it also went into our our, our human body itself. So and it's and it's increasing at a very high pace because we don't stop the plastic production or plastic consumption, and it's going on exponentially right now. And that's what worries me, right? What happens to our my kids when they grow up? How are they going to live? That's my biggest concern. Yeah, and it's my understanding the chemistry part of it is even scarier because these microplastics are 
attractants to other chemicals. Mm -hmm. So when it gets into the food chain and into our bodies or we eat food Mm -hmm. that contains it, it's not Mm -hmm. just the microplastic that we're consuming. It's everything that's clung to it. That's a great point. In in fact, just about three weeks ago, uh, a scientist in New York University, they found that uh, all these uh, antibiotic resistant bacteria, right? They love these microplastic particles because it's like a home for them. It's like you built a nice plastic home for them to live on. So it's it's not just about plastic coming back. It's actually increasing the amount of antibiotic resistant bacteria and viruses because they have something to stick on to because it's easy to stick on to. Yeah. I'm uh, really impressed with what you're doing, and I'm hoping that you can share what lays ahead. Where, mm-hmm. Given where you're at right now, where are you going? Yeah, sure, sure. So uh, with this, I mean, with all this background and research, we invented the the machinery. We are engineers by background, and that's how we used our engineering skills to make the machinery. And that machinery is actually able to automate automatically produce or manufactured edible cutlery. We started with the shape of a spoon because that's the easiest to make. The spoon is very a simple shape. And uh, we have both tablespoon and a dessert spoon, a smaller uh, sturdier spoon. And we, we started with four flavors, two of them savory and two of them sweet. Uh, like we have chocolate vanilla on the sweeter side and uh, oregano and chili and black pepper on the savory side. And we introduced the market, we introduced them in the market in 2019. So the first show that I went, a trade show, I went called Cater Source. That's where all the caterers and other food service people come in. Uh, I was surprised. Like I went with just 10 spoons in my hand and a few paper printouts. I didn't even have like a big, nice booth and all that stuff. I just had a small table and I just stood there uh, letting people know that this product exists. And I got my first order of 150,000 spoons from a caterer in Canada. And at the time, I didn't even have enough production facility to do that. So once I once he came in to express interest, I immediately, again, I used all my savings, my 401k, my retirement accounts, and put back into the machinery in India and scale it up. And within four months, I was able to fulfill that order to him. That's my starting point. And since then, I've, I've been going to a lot of trade shows, won many awards. Like we have a new section in our website, which shows up all the awards and all the PR that we got for free. And uh, that actually attracted more consumer customers like ice cream shops in Bay Area and Hawaii and other places. We were there in like 10 states and different ice cream shops, smaller, smaller ice cream shops. And we started with, with a premium ice cream chain as well in the U.S. But this all happened before COVID. The COVID came, all my all our food service business kind of got stalled. It didn't, it didn't, no one said no. They said, okay, we'll revisit after COVID. We don't want to take anything uh, new. We just want to try to make ourselves like, like it, it, it affected their livelihood, right? Because in the end, food service is the biggest effect, the biggest uh, impacted okay. market because of yep. COVID. Yeah, and, and that gave us some time to actually pivot towards B2C segments. So a lot of people are, used to ask us, hey, why can't I buy this at my home? If I want to use it for my party or I want to use it just to make my children eat cereal because we can ask them to eat the spoon after eating the cereal with it. So that I we got a lot of website requests or messages on our website saying that we want to buy directly from you. And that actually gave us some time because the food service got stalled. I had a lot of time. So I read like six books. I used my cousins to design my own packaging. We, we revamped our website. It's all made by me and my cousins. There was I didn't use anyone else outside. And uh, and after the, uh, in August or September, we went live on our website and Amazon, and we have been selling pretty decent so far without 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 spending any ad dollars. We have not spent a single penny on That's advertisements amazing. till now. Yeah. What does it taste yeah. like? We've got, oh gosh, like two minutes. I, I, I was hoping you could talk about the taste and then just let our yeah. listeners know how they might find you. 
Sure, sure. So uh, the taste is very subtle. It's not very uh, like super. I wouldn't say it's very super tasty. The reason is I don't want it to affect the food you eat. Like for example, most of our B two B customers, they didn't want it to be super tasty because they were afraid that if the ice cream is not tasting good and the spoon is tasting good, then it defeats the purpose. <laughs> so we we put it really subtle, and uh, and and it's very subtle taste, and it stays firm for like thirty minutes in hot soups. It's a pretty sturdy spoon. You would be surprised of the strength of the spoon, and you, the concept is you eat with it, and the moisture and the food softens the spoon and then you can eat after you can find these spoons on our website at incrediblespoon.com um, or or on amazon either way so fal- false alarm on the the timing there we actually have a little bit more time uh, mm-hmm. you mentioned your cousins um anyone that you'd like to do a shout out to on your team um yeah sure, sure. How, how did you sure. know which cousin would be Okay, yeah. to be on the team. How'd you find yeah, him? Yeah, actually, I have one person working with me, Jack Niebel. He's in Colorado. So he's not my cousin, but he approached me. He approached because he expressed interest in saving the planet and, you know, uh, selling edible spoons. And he's been with me since almost uh, the starting. He's been with me for almost one and a half years. And uh, he does most of the Amazon sales and all that stuff. He's very great. And I would like to do a good shout out to him because he he made my work easy because otherwise it was too much work to handle just one person. And uh, my cousin, another person is Karthik. He was a, he was a UX grad from um, uh, from one of, the co- one of the top colleges in the US. And he, he is the one of the brains behind the design of the packaging and the elements. He made those elements. I gave him the ideas and he made the elements for me. Excellent. Okay, so... Mm-hmm. You mentioned COVID, you know, um, yeah, yeah. do you feel like we're kind of at the tail end of it? And do you think, um, yeah, we're, yeah, talk uh, a little so bit about I, that. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. So COVID actually, even though it affected our business for like six months, but before that, we sold about a million spoons in the food service section. And after that, because of B2C pivot, by the way, we're already in the thousand stores of TJ Maxx and Home Goods right now. So the COVID actually brought these retail orders. Before that, I didn't even go into any retail side of it. So it gave us an opportunity as well as it blocked the previous opportunity. So uh, I wouldn't say that it really affected us very bad, but it, it made us more uh, educated, uh, knowledgeable because we understood how to pivot and how to do more than just the food service section of it. But unfortunately, one bad thing about COVID is people have started using so much of plastic again because they wanted to keep it really safe and, you know, uh, uh, yeah. uh, like what do you call it? Sanitized and all that stuff, right? So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. There's so much of plastic again. And that's what scares me a bit. Mm-hmm. Indeedy. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you have mm-hmm. any numbers on that? I mean, that was one thing also that people are really complaining about the the additional waste of all the face masks, especially if they yes, have like yes. a, a plastic coating in between the two mm-hmm. sheets um, yeah, and all yeah. the waste. Do you have any numbers on that by chance? Uh, unfortunately, no. Recently, I've not been uh, looking into that, the numbers section, because I'm very concentrated on the sales. By the way, uh, as you mentioned of the light, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Um, and thanks to the vaccinations and the science behind the vaccinations. I noticed all my previous food service clients coming back to us and started discussions with us again. So yeah. I can see that. I can see the light at the end of tunnel. I, it's not there yet, but we can see it. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. we're turning a corner and yeah. um, it, it feels really good. I hear a lot of folks, friends and family talking about mm-hmm. making travel plans. So that's a good mm-hmm. sign, I think. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> okay, good so how might folks find you? Um, yeah, they can, they can visit our website at incrediblespoon.com and or they can email me at dinesh at i-eats.com. 
D-I-N-E-S-H, Dinesh, at i-eats.com. Thank you so much for being our guest. Really appreciate what you're doing. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Carol and Jillian. This is really great to talking with you. And Jillian, thank you. I can't wait for you to be on the air and really experience how, how much fun this is chatting with our special entrepreneurs. Me as well. Thank you. <laughs> this is Hard Stock, and we shall be back next week. Peace. Heartstock Radio is a production of KBMF 102.5 Butte America Radio. Hear our programs every Friday at 5 p.m. Mountain Standard Time via live stream at butteamericaradio.org. As I went walking, I saw a sign.